0: Welcome to Share the Love Stories with me, the Reverend Amelia Arthur. Share the Love Stories is a podcast about sharing the love, because love is the foundation of the gospel. Love for God, love for neighbor, love for self, love for family and friends and all of creation. This podcast is a place for people to share their stories about what love means, and I hope that it will bring you joy. In episode four, we're joined by special guest, Reverend Tom Cook, the rector of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Edina, Minnesota. Tom happens to be my boss, but he's also a colleague and great friend. I'm so excited to hear him share his stories about what love means, particularly as a priest in a church during this year of pandemic. Welcome, Tom. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into our conversation?
1: Sure. Um, The things that I do with my life, I serve as a priest and rector at St. Stephen's Church in Edina, and I've been with the church, I'm in my sixth year now, but I'm in my 23rd year of ministry as a priest in the Episcopal Church, and I've served churches in Alabama and Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, but came all the way up here um, six years ago almost, and have really enjoyed being a part of a Really active community of faith. And so I um, am married to Britain. Uh, we live in Edina with uh, my 19 year old daughter with us here in the home. And I have two sons that are out and about in the world doing their own thing now, too. So um, a lot of church, a lot of life, a lot of activity, and uh, it's been good. Um, the community's been great. I've really enjoyed being in Edina, too. And the church is a huge part of that, but I've been able to do some other things in community, Rotary Club, and stuff. And it's just been really good. and keeps me charged
0: that's that's great yeah. and i hear that you have two new additions to your household who are not human family members
1: no not human family members you got a couple of cats that are already taking over the household now they're teenagers <laughs> and a couple of sisters you know so and they're 100 uh, percent energy except when they're not right you know they're like kids play 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 fight 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 crash sleep then wake up at two in the morning and get us going again so
0: well congratulations So picture Advent 2019, Yeah. fast forward to Advent 2020, it's been a big year. When you look back and you think about this particular year in ministry, particularly over either the six years in Adina or the 23 years of of ordained ministry, um, what has it been like to be a leader in a faith community during COVID?
1: So, I mean, can you imagine that Everything that you do, that you base your life upon in some way has to do with being in relationship with others and typically being in contact with one another, that you're sharing space and you're sharing activities and you're sharing experiences. And of course, COVID has changed all that. It hasn't ended all of it, but it changed everything. And so if I think back to last year's Advent, this is a time of year where we're very engaged up at the church. We're making our plans. We have people coming in, doing worship we're practicing for what we're doing, we're decorating everything, and we're all together doing that stuff. And in the middle of all that, we're probably sharing lunch and sharing coffee, and we're talking to people about their lives and hearing about their families. And this year, you know, we're pretty much doing most of that work, but we're doing it kind of like as little islands. We can't all come together at the same time to do it, and you lose some of that um, sort of energy enthusiasm of sharing the life and experiences with others. And yet we're looking for ways to ensure that we have experience together, even when we can't necessarily be in the same space. So it really is a challenge. It's like, it's like a little puzzle sometimes. But, you know, so far in many ways, so good, but just dramatically different. Constantly yeah. having to think about how do we do what we do in a way that lets people be engaged with the season of Advent and with their faith, but also helping to keep people as healthy and safe as possible. So definitely a challenge, uh, something we have to think about all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the pandemic has lasted for 10-ish yeah. months, depending on how we measure it. Think back to that first week of closing down. What, what have you learned since then in terms of um, whether whether it's just kind of practice or pivoting, or just you know maybe even how is your internal like sensibility yeah. has it leveled out? <laughs> What's yeah. the level of anxiety kind of now yeah. uh, versus then, or then versus now?
1: Yeah. Well, I, one thing that was certainly reinforced is the human capacity to adapt, because when the changes kind of came, we we knew something was going on in the world, and we knew this disease was out there. I don't think that I really had, I I really expected that we would be struck so suddenly with a call to stop doing what we normally do in church and start doing everything so differently. We really had to pivot from being together in the same place, doing what the church has been doing for hundreds of not thousands of years, right. To doing something in a very different way and people rose to the occasion. And so that, that reaffirmation or affirmation of, of our ability to adapt creatively in that environment was right there. And that gave me, frankly, a lot of confidence, although it did feel like I was walking on shaky ground, you know, moving to moving to doing things in a virtual environment isn't necessarily novel in our day and time. Right. I mean, we've had internet connection and all that kind of stuff, the web platforms and things, people broadcast services, TV is on church, but we weren't set up for that. You know, we we were going on about our business and coming together Sunday by Sunday, and you could check in with each other. You could, if you knew somebody wasn't feeling well the week before, they may be there that Sunday, and you could just ask them, how are you doing? And everything sort of changed from that. And we had to find a way to take what we did together and effectively deliver it to a congregation that was apart. And boy, that was a challenge. And we rose to the occasion in short order. And, you know, what's good about church, right, is you you can go with what you know. And so for those first few Sundays, we simply recorded ourselves doing what we would normally do within the church and then broadcast that out into the community using various web platforms. Mm-hmm. But during that time, then we began to ask ourselves, what's the ongoing need? What's the longer term plan? Is this the way we're going to do it? Are we going to change and pivot to different things? Which we ended up doing. Talk about that a little bit. But at the beginning, it was really a um, it was sort of a tense time. But I quickly let go of a lot of those anxieties because not only did the staff of the church rise to that occasion, the members of the church rose to that occasion, and they began to receive and accept the work that we were doing immediately and giving right. us good and positive feedback. So that made it um, that made it a livable transition. And since that time, we've also then been able to do some creative work and learn some things about ourselves as a community. So, um, you know, in that sense, so far so good, but what a strange thing to be told, uh, you can't come in right. at the church.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, for this, you know, interview, what's great too, is that I've lived this with you. So yes. definitely so much we could say, I think about the, I think the permission you gave us as staff to make those pivots and then to even pivot from the pivots, right. You know, right. To, to figure out what was the right thing for us during Holy week, you know, cause as we think back to what that calendar was like, we shut down what two ish weeks before Holy week. And so right. we had to think really quickly, okay, what does Palm Sunday look like? What does Holy Week look like? And clearly the easiest thing was, let's do what we would do just without right. the people. And let's see how that goes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and then and then like you said, that pivot towards then, but what does the community need? And I know that decision that a lot of folks made, which was to kind of shift from, you know, the Eucharistic service to a, a morning prayer type service or something where everyone could participate Right. without it being this, you know, thing that the clergy and staff were doing on the video, but that then the congregation didn't get to partake of the sacrament. Right. Um, when you think about uh, the ways, particularly though, that the community has um, embraced or adapted, you know, or pivoted along with us, Yeah. what are some specific examples of, of what that has looked like to you? I mean, just what have you seen?
1: Sure, two, two things particularly come to mind. Um, the first is that we made some decisions early on to incorporate as many people in the worship as we possibly could. And so that meant reaching out to um, members of the church, to member family households, and asking them to record portions of the service that in the past, they normally wouldn't have participated in or led. And so we worked to get as many people involved as possible. and. Every time I asked someone for their help with that, they said, sure, we will do that. So there was this immediate outpouring of willingness to help with making the change to a different kind of church. And what we found over time then is that it's been a lot of fun, frankly, because people are showing up in worship. Families are coming together to lead. People have been able to show off their new babies or maybe there's a son or daughter in town and they've been able to share them with us during virtual worship. So there was that immediate willingness on the part of people to help out. You know, it's not everybody's gig using the telephone to record video and things like that. So not everyone is there to do that. But most people, if they've got some um, you know ability with with that sort of work, have been willing to jump in and do it. And that just was so uplifting for me as a priest in community that people were like, you bet we'll help. And we've had dozens of different families and households and individuals help out and worship. So that was really good. The second thing that I think of, which is is more internal, um, almost from the very beginning, I began to receive telephone calls and emails and notes and cards. From people in the church expressing thanks to me and to the staff of the church for continuing to work enthusiastically on creating solutions to the challenges that COVID was bringing to us. And talk about just heartwarming and uplifting to get that messaging from folks unsolicited. You know, I just get a a call or a note um, that I just was not expecting of someone saying, we really thank you for what you guys are doing to hold us together. That was kind of the theme I heard a lot of, right? Is our work was helping bind the community when everything else was trying to push it apart. Yeah. And that helped me learn very quickly that if we continued to do that kind of ministry that reached out to people in the best possible ways that we had and people within the church did their best to um to connect to that that we were living out what it means to be a church because Obviously, we're not just a church when we're gathered in the building. We're mm-hmm. a church dispersed within the world in our day-to-day lives. And COVID has made us think about ourselves in that way a little more, that the, that as we, we've talked as a staff before about being church wherever we are. And I notice sometimes when I'm recording worship, I'll, I'll say, I'm, I'm asking you all to offer your own prayers and intercessions wherever you may be. And the truth of the matter is, We've had folks in Australia. We've had folks driving cross country. We've had people who live in Oregon. We have folks in our congregation all over. So when you say wherever you may be, that's quite literally people all over the place who are joining together in that time, in that moment in worship. So that has just really been uplifting a couple of things that happened quick that let me know we will do just fine if we choose to be just fine, you know. I do worry, Amelia, you know, I do worry about those uh, for whom the, you know, some of the current forms of communication are just not part of what they do. Um, Zoom and Facebook and YouTube, you know, using the computer as a principal means of communication is not what everyone does. But we've made some, we tried to do some steps there to communicate with people through Mm -hmm. cards, notes, um, publications, and things like that, telephone calls, Um, so I'm aware that it's, it's not perfect by any means. I mean, there's nothing that replaces the ability of people to come together as community for worship. And also there's nothing really that replaces that ability for you or for me as pastors or as members or for members of the churches to actually go out and visit with someone.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: We have been so limited in our ability to, to just make that kind of personal human contact. um, That's hard. That's hard. So.
0: It is. Yeah. And uh, I love so many of the things you just said, you know, that be the church wherever you are, um, you know, and I think certainly, it's worth noting, right, that, you know, to add on top of the pandemic that then we had all of, we have had all of the events yes. of the summer, George Floyd, yeah. all of the social unrest, both in the Twin Cities and throughout the nation,
1: yeah.
0: you know, layered on top of one of the most divisive presidential elections I think any of us, you know, can remember. So, so people have been I think living in that sort of heightened sense of anxiety and uncertainty around a a couple of different big things. Uh, And, and I love, I love that idea, though, too, of the church has always kind of traditionally been the church in the building as in the church gathered. And yet, yet it is really beautiful on Sunday morning to see people broadcasting from their homes. You know, we've always said, you know, that the Episcopal Church welcomes you, right? That's our, our byline. And, and it really is, I think now kind of the Episcopal Church is you, (laughs) you know, the Episcopal Church welcomes you wherever you are and invites you to be whoever you are. And so it's been great to see, you know, families with little kids that it could almost be a blooper reel all the way to some of our oldest parishioners getting on, on a zoom or, you know, uh, being willing to be videoed. So, you know, be the church wherever you are, as in, you know, worship is, is one piece. Tell me about what it has meant to you, or even maybe just what the kind of, what the emotions have looked like for you as you've seen our community care for one another.
1: <laughs> it's actually been, again, it's been quite beautiful to experience that, but also uplifting, and it, it's, it's undergirding of faith. I mean, one of the things that I've seen within the life of St. Stephen's church is a real response to the promises that we make in baptism, you know, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to seek and serve Christ and all persons. And, you know, it really feels really good as a priest, right. And community is when some times of adversity show up and people begin to respond that way. Normally, I think, you know, it's important that the church staff we've continued We've continued to um, do what we're called to do. And I think that's a good example for folks. The the church is, COVID's not going to knock us down. It may knock us back for a while, but we're Mm going to continue to be the church. But what has been so magnificent is to see members of the church uh, rise to the occasion and act out what they promise in looking out for each other. So that's been really, really, um, again, heartwarming and undergirding the faith. people do, they reach out to me because they'll say, you know, I just talked to another member of the parish and this is happening in their lives. And we think you should know that so that you can reach out to them too. Well, that is so wonderful for me as a priest, because if people don't let us know things that are going on, we don't. And also sharing that pastoral role as a clergy person with a member of the congregation, uh, that's, that's a, that's a privilege and it's a good way to do pastoral care with others. So I really have appreciated seeing members of the church live out their promises and take care of each other. Now, the other thing is, in the middle of all that, you mentioned the stuff going on uh, within the broader society and social unrest. You know, St. Stephen's Church, we have ministries that serve with community partners in ministry. We do outreach. All that stuff has continued. In COVID. none of that, Not only did none of that stop, we almost doubled down really on making sure that we were reaching out to our ministry partners locally and to some extent abroad, I think of Holy Cross Anglican School in Belize, to find out where things were with them and what do you need at this point. So there was no relinquishing of um, enthusiasm or responsibility for working with other people during these times of unrest. And again, watching folks do that of their own volition that's that is their faith rising up in them and being at work and that let me as a, a rector in a parish sit back and just give thanks to god for the community doing what the community is called to do and so that has really been great i've been humbled by that
0: absolutely yeah. and and I think that when we talk about, you know, if you will, any sort of silver lining around COVID, mm-hmm. you know, when I think of the other things that have been going on, particularly this summer, um, with even the immediate need for response from faith communities in the Twin Cities, that if all of that had been happening in non COVID times, I think we would have still responded. But I think that because people's lives had slowed down and become sort of a little bit smaller, I actually think that that opened up this opportunity for our people to really focus on what was going on with our neighbors, right? To really focus on what was going on in Minneapolis, in St. Paul, and to say, even if we cannot show up in person, how can we help or where are the ways where we can safely show up in person, And they've continued, I think, to ask that question, not just about their fellow parishioners, right? How can I love and serve my neighbor? But I really do think that this year we've taken a deeper dive into answering that question of what does it mean to seek and serve Christ in my neighbors who don't live on my side of town, who don't look like me. And I think people have done it almost in a way that is more extraordinary or just more obvious because they've had the time.
1: Yeah, in time and also I think people are compassionately acknowledging. Uh, for certainly for me, this is, this I think is the most stressful time in which I've lived as an adult. I, I've been alive in uh, times that the country has been under extraordinary Stress and duress, but I was usually a child. People were, you know, they were looking out, they were looking out for me. So when I see what's going on now, I think that people are recognizing if there was ever a time to like sort of take stock and ask, how do we really get involved to help? This would be it. Because We're beset by a lot of different challenges right now. Again, I think there's a great—I do think there's a great deal of compassion within the membership of St. Stephen's to think about that. I mean, you got COVID, you got unrest, you um, got—you got uncertainty in jobs and, and employment, all that stuff. I mean, what are we waiting for if we're not trying to help now?
0: That wraps up the first of our two-part series, Same But Different, with my special guest, the Reverend Tom Cook. I hope you join us next time as we continue to talk about what leadership in a faith community has been like during this year of pandemic and the many ways that love has been a part of that story. This is Share the Love Stories podcast with me, the Reverend Amelia Arthur, filmed at home in St. Paul, Minnesota. Until next time, take care and keep sharing the love.